Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So I had a eventful weekend. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. You did. I, and you know about this because you were the first person I sent the picture to. I found my holy grail. The game I've been looking for for years, and I've lost every single eBay auction I've ever been a part of i've never found it at a retro store or at a um, flea market i ran across it finally yesterday at the play and talk uh, near my house which is the retro store i found legend of the mystical ninja you found your great white buffalo yes i have it it's in my possession have you played it yet Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I played it for most of the night last night. I actually had to stop myself from playing it at about one in the morning. Oh, wow. <clears throat> but um, one thing I do want to say about it, I do want to review it. It might not be the next show. I think next show I'll be doing NARC for uh, the NES because we did actually have a request for that on Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm going to save it for towards the end of the month, but I do want to do a review, but I will say one thing about it. It's still just as fun. It's still just as good. It's excellent. It's one of the best games for the SNES, but there is one giant flaw. I'll give you one guess what it is. 
Um, Keep in mind, it's a pretty long game. Um, limited saving capability. Bing, bing, bing. No save feature. What? It's a password system. I completely forgot about oh. this until I started playing it. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This game came oh. out in 1992. Weren't we beyond the password system at that point? We had the technology for battery backup saves. Why was that not a feature of this game? That's awful. It's it's. Oh. I'll send you a picture of um, the uh, the password that you get, and <clears throat> you actually have to find um, a certain place in the game. You have to go to these. There's um, when you're there's different sections to the game. There's the kind of the overworld section where you're going through towns. And, you know, there's like stores and uh, like a travel agency that you have to use to go from uh, place to place. Um, And there's, uh, you know, places like arcades where you can play games and stuff. But there are these uh, huts you can go into where they're um, where you keep a a quote diary. And that's Mm -hmm. how you save the game by getting your password. And back in the day, you had to write your password down because we didn't have cell phones like right now. It's easy. I could just take a picture of the screen and I have the password to put in the next time I want to start from that point. But it just sucks because like these passwords are like 20, I think 20 characters long. And it's a mixture of like symbols, uh, upper and lower case and numbers. That sounds awful. It's there was it stinks to high hell to high heaven. I didn't have too much of an issue. Like I never played too many games that had the the password feature. The only one I can remember is a Sega Game Gear game called Tails Adventure. It was a spinoff of the Sonic series, mm-hmm. and you had to pause your screen, and it would have a um, a sixteen character password that included like letters, numbers, and symbols, I want to (laughs) say. And you had to write that down. Yeah, I mean, this game is basically, it's not a straight RPG. I would say it's about as much of an RPG as uh, Legend of uh, Zelda, The Link to the Past. Like, I, I love it just as much as that game. But... We had the we had the technology. I mean, this was a Super Nintendo game. Most of of the Super Nintendo games that were pseudo RPG at least had a battery backup system. Like, why would you not include that in this game? It's unthinkable. It's yeah. There's uh, no excuse for that. No, no excuse whatsoever for to be as good as that game is and as polished as it is and as much went into that game to not put a battery backup system is mind boggling. Yeah. I, I got nothing for that one. (laughs) I, I don't even know what to say about it either. Uh, but I'm glad you found the game though. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I have it. Don't get me wrong. I, I love that game. Um, It's one of my favorite super Nintendo games and I'm so happy that I have it again. And you know, I'm not going to let the password system bother me too much because, like I said, nowadays I can just take a picture of the screen. But when you're a kid and you got to sit there and write all that stuff out, it's awful. Yeah. Kids will never understand. 
And that's a good thing for them. Yeah. So what what do you got going on this weekend? I just kind of had a bit of a relaxing weekend. I filmed a wedding this past Saturday. Wow. Uh, so that was fun to do. Um, other than that, um, not too much. Just have kind of a a relaxing weekend, relatively uneventful. Um, watched Rogue One today oh, for the cool. first time since uh, I saw it in theaters. I was about to say, you see, I'm glad you said since the theater. And all I heard was the for the first time, and my heart almost exploded. Oh no, no that that's <laughs> one. Those who know me, I have patience with a lot of things. But going to see movies is not one of them. Yeah. Like, I, I have to go opening weekend. Just yeah, like, you I, know, I, I did see Guardians 2 on mm-hmm. Thursday night. Fantastic today, movie actually. if you haven't seen it yet. Oh, I saw it today. It's awesome. I, I think I still like the first one a little bit more. But this one was really good, too. Like, Same if I were here. to give if I were to give the first Guardians like an eight and a half or a nine. Mm-hmm. I would give Guardians to like an eight or an eight and a half. Yeah, I would say the same thing. The only thing that bothered me about this movie, they some of the jokes fell flat because I felt like they were trying a little too hard with yeah. Drax to make him funny. And yeah. yeah, some of the jokes fell really flat for me. Some of them were really funny, but others I felt like, yeah, they were trying a little too hard. Yeah, the ones that were funny were really funny, but then they were just, you know have a uh, just a flat joke in there and you're just like that no you should have edited that out yeah and baby Groot was amazing oh it's so it's so cute (laughs) i want one i wish they were real (laughs) that that opening credit sequence was amazing i was not expecting that at all no i wasn't but i'm glad they did it It you know what else i didn't expect in this movie and i'm not gonna spoil it but there are people that show up in this movie two in particular let's just say two big icons from the past that show up in this movie that i was not expecting yeah there were there were a couple of nice nods in this movie and definitely stay after because there were a total of five (laughs) post-credit scenes which is a little excessive, but yeah. you know, I, I enjoyed them. And it has, I think, in my opinion, the best Stan Lee cameo ever. Oh yeah. That was perfect. And I'll say it makes it makes total sense. Oh yeah. <laughs> I won't go give away what it. it is. If you haven't seen it, go see it, please. Go see it in the theater as it needs to be seen. Absolutely. But uh well, we can go ahead and move into the news. <laughs> This is a story I've been following over the last few months. Uh, the Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype repaired and capable of playing games. Uh, perhaps the most valuable piece of retro gaming hardware on the planet just gained even more value as the once dead Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype has been brought back to life to full functionality. And this comes to us from IGN. Uh, it was known... It was known the Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype could power on, but it was unable to boot software from CD-ROM or even play music. The owners of the prototype, which is the only known Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype in the entire world, uh, loaned Heck the unit, with Heck promising he'd have it fully operational by the 2017 Midwest Gaming uh, Classic. 
Uh, he was able to follow through on his promise, building up a fan-built game for the Super Nintendo PlayStation. Uh, no official games are known to exist that were made to run on the Sony Nintendo collaborative hardware. Um, this, um, it was found in someone's, um, like their warehouse or something like that. Um, I don't know the exact details, but, um, I remember hearing about this a few months ago, they had found this thing and they didn't know what it was. Uh, and I think like the guy that owns the place, like his son knew what it was or something like that, but there's only one of these in existence. And what this is, is that if anybody doesn't know this, um, PlayStation, well, Sony actually was making um, this machine for Nintendo. Uh, it was going to be a CD-ROM slash Super Nintendo, um, and eventually Super Nintendo backed out of the deal um, when they were going to show this prototype, I think at... Um, what was it? Uh, it was E3, I think, in like 1992 or 93, somewhere around there. Nintendo backed out of the deal at the last minute. So Sony took the PlayStation prototype and, of course, built the Sony PlayStation. So that was kind of a one of the first big missteps for Nintendo. That started way back then. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it might even um, have been earlier than that like maybe even around 91 92 i'm gonna be honest i've never heard of this story before or this console but it makes me just wonder what could have been oh yeah if this had happened because could you imagine if the super nintendo were were like the playstation i mean we were talking about it off air but it's like a hybrid. Yeah. You know, SNES and PlayStation. That could have been, if this had gone through, this could still be standing as the greatest gaming console ever. Oh, yeah. And you can go on YouTube. Um, you can probably find the original video that I saw. Uh, it was posted probably, well, I don't know, my sense of time is getting screwy as I get older. It could have been anywhere from six months to a year ago that they actually found this thing. And I wish I had the, the exact details of all of it, but you can go look up, um, just type it into Google, the Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype, and it'll bring up all the, uh, the past articles about it. Um, but I remember they tried to turn it on, and I think just the, the main title screen came up. But like I said, there was no games made for it. So and this was just found in like somebody's garage or something. Yeah, and um, it was it wasn't a garage. It was like a some kind of a warehouse somewhere. Oh, and okay. I don't remember how the guy came across it, um, but he just it had just been sitting in a warehouse for like twenty something years. That's nuts. I know. This could have been a really cool thing. I I want to watch some video of this or like read more of it for sure because like I yeah. said, I had never even heard of this before and it, like i said that was probably the first really big misstep for nintendo by pulling out of um out of their deal but at the same time you know how would that have changed video games moving forward if this thing would have stayed would have you know if nintendo would have honored the deal and came out with this thing we wouldn't have the playstation right now i mean maybe maybe they would have split up later or you know, there's no real telling how, what the uh, alternate history of video games would have been. That would make for a cool book. Yeah. What if? A what if scenario. 
Yeah, I who knows what could have happened. You know, Nintendo, if that had happened, you know, Nintendo could be reigning supreme. Oh, yeah. You never know. But would they That's have very even moved to making their consoles into, uh, you know, entertainment centers like they are now? Because I'll tell you the truth, my PlayStation 4 doesn't play games anymore. It's a glorified Netflix box. Yeah, that's pretty much what I use it for. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, this was an interesting story. Uh, this comes to us from RetroCollect.com. A fan game titled Sonic Time Twisted finally released after 12-year development. You have to hand it to Sonic fans. They don't do anything by halves, even less so when it comes to making their own games based on the Blue Blur's escapades fighting Dr. Robotnik, Eggman, or whatever his name is these days. Unlike Nintendo, which seems hell-bent on crushing anything that even remotely resembles an homage to any of his IP. <laughs> I love that line, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Sega seems more than happy to allow Sonic-based fan games to flourish, and the latest offering is Sonic Time Twisted. Coming from over, Overbound Game Studio, to, uh, Sonic Time Twisted, well, I can't talk today, has <laughs> been in development for 12 years and is now finally available to download and play for free. Um, watching the trailer and seeing the screen cap they have here, it looks a lot like an, a mix of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 mm -hmm. and Sonic CD. Yeah, because uh, the, the graphics are definitely probably would if it was back in the day this would have been like a 32-bit game uh, yes. it's a little bit cleaner than a 16-bit um but this is what we want as far as if if you're gonna do something with the sonic franchise this is how people want to play it because this is the perfect platform you know no pun intended but to to play sonic on because this is this is pure Sonic. This is how it's meant to be played. No, exactly. And, it, you know, it's it's made by fans paying homage to the glory days of Sonic. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I definitely recommend everybody watch the trailer that's attached to this article because it, it even gives aspects of what the story is. And the story, you know, for those who have played, like, the, the classic Sonic games, they don't really delve into the story. Yeah. But but the story of this game is actually really, really good. It, it takes place after Sonic 3. Dr. Robotnik is dead, and Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles are going all over Mobius to clean up Robotnik's mess. And you have to stop Metal Sonic from bringing Robotnik back to life. And it's all original zones. There's no rehashes of you know Green Hill or Emerald Hill. Um, is 28 acts across eight original zones. And I think it's awesome. I for sure want to play it. And the fact that it's free. And this actually makes me want to go get um, a Windows PC. Yeah. Yeah. It's available as a free download for Windows. That's so awesome. <laughs> go to retrocollect.com if you're interested. Uh, it's the very top story this week. Yeah. Definitely check out the trailer. It looks Absolutely. really, really good. But uh, we're going to go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In May of 1985, Namco releases Metro Cross. I'm um, not really sure what this is, but it's a platform arcade game that was released by Namco in 1985. It runs upon Namco Packland hardware. Uh, 
it uses uh and this is all the specs for it uh, you probably don't want to hear about that but the player must take control of a man known only as runner who is given a time limit limit to run through each of the game's 32 rounds while avoiding obstacles and collecting drink cans i have never heard of this before in my life i have not either it looks like one of those old games that you would play like waiting at the doctor's office yeah it it doesn't look like anything that would make me want to pump a quarter into it. No. This was one I of actually, those games that was stuffed into the back of the arcade. Yeah, over in like the, the back right corner. Yeah. That no one <laughs> it, ever goes to. Yeah, it, it really doesn't work. Like, you know, the joystick's broken. I do kind of like the, um, if you're looking at the Wikipedia page, the little thumbnail, mm-hmm. this to the top right, the European arcade flyer. I actually kind of like the design of it. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Yeah, it looks very, uh, very mid eighties esque. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got that um, a kind of Atari art look to it. Yes. Also, in May of nineteen eighty five, Konami releases Gradius, aka Nemesis. I remember. And I have never heard of this before. Uh, they were those shooters, those side scrolling shooters, kind of like. Um, uh, what was the name? Um, like like R type and um, uh, Defender things like that. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the description now. Yeah. I was really into those kind of games back in the day, but uh, not so much anymore. Yeah, I never got into those. I actually almost bought Super R type for SNES yesterday until I saw um, Legend of the Mystical Ninja. And then just everything was oh, yeah. secondary. <laughs> it was almost like a, I had tunnel vision on the game, and then like the choir of angels started to sing in my head. That sounds like a scene from a movie you guys need to write. <laughs> I could write a script about my search for this game. I've literally been on the search for this game since 2001, I think, when I started to get into wanting to collect for... Uh, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. You'd have to call it the legend of the legend of the mystical ninja. Yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> Copyright Nerd Cave Retro. Yep. <laughs> yep, you heard it here. Heard it here first. Uh, in May of 1985, to close it out, Capcom releases Commando, a vertically scrolling on-foot shooter, which inspires many games with similar themes and gameplay. Uh, Let me look up a picture of this because I remember the name and I think I've played this. I have played this. This is uh, a run and gun vertically scrolling arcade game released in 1985. Its influence can be seen in various later games in the shooter game genre. Versions were released for various home computers and consoles. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I've seen gameplay of this before. The the in-game screenshot yeah. looks very familiar. I have played this. This looks really familiar. Yeah. Interesting. In May of 1991, on May 6th, Sierra Online releases the Sierra Network, which is also credited as the first graphical MMORPG due to its inclusion of the Shadow of Yserbius, which I'm sure is not how you pronounce that at all, TSM would later become its more memorable name, Imagination Network, after a total buyout from AT&T in 1994. I did not know that. Because I, I did thought not Sierra, either. I thought Sierra was still around. Yeah, the Sierra name sounds very familiar, but I, I'm actually not familiar with Imagination Network. I'm going to have to look this up because I could have sworn Sierra Games was still around. I did not know they were bought out by AT&T. Let's see, the Sierra Network. The Sierra Network. Um, what games did they make? Uh, King's Quest V. Mystery House, uh, Mission Asteroid, Wizard and the Princess, uh, Cranston Manor, Ulysses and the Golden Fleece, Time Zone, The Dark Crystal. Um... Chuck Benton's soft porn adventure. <laughs> okay. Oh, Police Quest. That's uh, I recognize it from. Do you remember the game Police Quest? I do not. Uh, it was a computer game in the late 80s. It was one of those games that uh, was considered a grown-up game and you were not allowed to play, but it's probably pretty tame by today's standards. Yeah. No, I've I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll have to research this. Uh, on May 5th of 1992, id Software releases Wolfenstein 3D for MS-DOS, which popularizes the first-person shooter genre for the PC and leads to many similar games. I have so many fond memories of Wolfenstein. Uh, Wolfenstein and Doom, because uh, in 1993, when I was... No, 1993 to 1994, I was in 11th grade, uh, and I was in computer programming. And at the end of the, of the class period, if you got all your work done, you could choose from a, a stack of uh, many or, you know, the three inch discs, um, mm-hmm. not the big floppy disk, but the three inch disc. And my teacher had Wolfenstein 3D and Doom. So me and my friends would haul ass to get our work done so we could be one of the first ones to get um, Wolfenstein or Doom. And I played so much Wolfenstein and Doom my 11th grade year in high school. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the screen caps of the in-game action, and it definitely looks familiar. This is probably a game that I saw my uncle play when I was a kid because I used to watch him play this, uh, Doom, uh, Star Wars Dark Forces. Yeah. Oh, There's so many games like that. This screenshot just brings back so many memories. Oh my yeah, gosh. It's, it's good stuff. I, <laughs> I never played any of those games. 
but I've watched quite a bit of gameplay. I can't believe they let us my play this in school. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, I guess they didn't know any better. Uh, those schools in Mississippi. Oh, yeah. But you know what you could do in school? You could learn how to read, and that leads to books. And if you don't have time to read, what do you do? Well, for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 books to choose from. I'm sure you can find at least one. If you can't find you anything enjoy. out of 180,000, uh, I don't know what to do for you. They And they have so many different types of genres. They've got Star Wars. They have Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Divergent. They have uh, gaming books, too. They have Halo, Mass Effect, Gears of War, mystery, fiction, nonfiction, uh, for the romantic type, they have romance novels too. Oh yeah, I was, I was going to say it's not just the you know our type of genre. If you're listening to this, like if you're some poor uh, spouse or something that's totally not into retro gaming, but you're forced to listen to this podcast by like your husband or your wife or something, and you're totally not into the geek stuff, look, they got books for you too. Just go check it out. Go and use Just go check it out. Use our code. Uh, audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. You'll find something you like over there. Get something out of this show. And it's free. It's the best four-letter word ever. Free. Yes. And again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And for our review this week... I'm so glad you picked that song. I couldn't decide what song to use, but this was the jauntiest one, so this is the one I grabbed. So this week, I'm going to be reviewing a game that has was not well-received when it came out, but I will admit it's one of my guilty pleasure games. The game I'm reviewing is Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It was released... And let's see, it was released in North America in October 5th, 1992, was actually released in Japan almost a year later in September of 93, which was unheard of for a Nintendo game. Hmm. You'd think being based, you know, a Japanese based yeah. company, Japan Especially would get RPG. the game Yeah. Usually and, RPGs were come out, coming out like two years before they would make it to America. So this game was not well received because, well, not because it was a spinoff of the Final Fantasy genre, which we've both admitted multiple times on this show that we're not big into Final Fantasy. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it has its huge fan base. I know several people who love and swear by Final Fantasy. But a little bit of a personal story as far as this game goes. I tried playing Final Fantasy, never got into it. And then my uncle, who really got me into gaming when I was a kid, had this game. And I remember playing it at his house, and for some reason, it just drew me in. And I, at the time, I didn't really know exactly why. 
Well, it's because how it was. It was actually. It says here it was marketed as a simplified role playing game designed for the entry level player. Correct. And I've even gone back as an adult. And yes, it's it's not a difficult game. It's borderline, you know, moronic in some <laughs> ways. But you know, I, I think it's it's that sentimental aspect yeah. that we talk about that still draws me in. Like, I still enjoy playing it. But um, to give some description about what the game is about, in the game, the player controls a youth named Benjamin in his quest to save the world. His goal is to reclaim a set of stolen crystals that determine the state of the world's four elemental powers. The gameplay takes a departure from the main series in a variety of ways. Many series staples are eliminated, such as random battles, save points, manual equipment, and the party system. The game received middling reviews and sales in North America and Japan, citing its simplified gameplay and lack of depth in the game's story. Now, I actually did like the game's story. Is it a little simple? Yes. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Now, the bad thing that I will say about this game is I do agree that the party system, you don't really get to choose who is your partner. Because you start out as just Benjamin by himself, and you random people join you for a bit, and then they'll leave. You'll be by yourself again, and then you find somebody else. They stay with you for a bit, and then they leave. And that repeats, I think, three or four different times hmm. throughout the game. And there are no random battles. You can go to, um, what is it called? It's, it's like a battlefield in a way where you... Um, can do like 10 battles in a row and you win a prize. Or when you're in a dungeon, you'll actually see the the enemy sprite on your screen, but it doesn't try to attack you. It's just there. Yeah. Now, a lot of the times you have to fight the enemy in order to get past it because it's like blocking a doorway or a chest that you might need. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those games, it's... Is it simple? Yes. Is it flawed? Yes. But I still like it. It was one of my more favorite SNES games as a kid. I'll say I enjoy it slightly less now because I did play it again um, a couple of years ago. It is on the, I think the Wii's virtual console. And, um, you know, it was, it was still good. I, and one of the positives, and it's mentioned in the review, is the music. The music in this game is really good. It has a lot of like guitar and a little bit of a metal sound to it, even with the battles and you know the song you played at the beginning of the review. Mm. The music is really good. It, it's one of the better soundtracks of any of the SNES games that I've played. So where does this fall in the actual um, kind of timeline of final fantasy i mean does this fit into the final fantasy timeline it's my understanding and i've even done research on this i don't think it really falls anywhere so it's because just kind I'm, of a one-off yeah it's just a one-off which i find to be kind of interesting especially for a series like final fantasy yeah because we're on what Final Fantasy about to be on fifteen? Uh, thirty-eight, eighty-two, thirty-eight, somewhere around eighty-two, <laughs> one hundred and twenty. <laughs> who 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 knows at this point? 
but it it's got some redeeming qualities i think i think you know a lot of the reviews are not kind to it it's like for example uh electronic gaming monthly gave it a 29 out of 40 nintendo power gave it a 3.7 out of 5 rpg fan gave it a 79 and then let's see the game did not generate much excitement in either America or Japan, although it is thought to have appealed to younger fans. The game ultimately failed in its bid to bring mainstream North American popularity to console RPGs, which wouldn't be accomplished until Final Fantasy VII, and, and simultaneously alienated fans of the series anticipating another epic following Final Fantasy IV. It has been described as Final Fantasy with an identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see, uh, Kotaku called it the worst Final Fantasy, and Games Radar called it a franchise embarrassment for its enemies that stand still and wait for players to attack. Wow. So no, th- this game was not well reviewed, and even at the time when I played this game, I didn't really read any of the reviews. Yeah. As weird as that might sound, e- even games like a Zelda or a Mario. When I was a kid, I didn't look at the reviews because I didn't care. Mm-hmm. It was a game that I wanted to play, and I formed my own opinion of it. Well, that's how it should be, you know. Uh, like I actually remember this game being out, like seeing this game in the store because it was pushed pretty heavily, um, mm-hmm. and I still see it from time to time. You know, when I go to flea markets and stuff like that, you always see a copy of this at. Uh, you know, um, like uh, retro stores, but it never the the cover art itself just never appealed to me. And now looking at it, like if you just glance at it, it almost looks like an advertisement for um, uh, the Lion King, <laughs> doesn't it? It kind of does, yeah. <laughs> the cover is very simple. There's really nothing that jumps out at you. Yeah, it's very bland. Yeah, but you know the the game. If I were to give it a number review on a scale of one to ten, I would probably give it like a six, a six and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a terrible game, but it's a game that I think people should look more into and not just look at the reviews. Because I feel like reviews control a lot of things. You know, not just with games, but like with movies. I know some people who won't go see a movie if it gets like one bad review. Yeah. And some people won't play games because of one bad review. Granted, this game has multiple bad reviews, but (laughs) I still think that, you know, people should look more into it. it. It was it was a fun game when I was a kid and. You know, I, I still enjoyed going back and playing it. It brought back a lot of fun childhood memories for me. Is it Zelda? No. Is it Mario? Definitely not. But I I find it to be fun. And I actually, I like the story, even though it's kind of simple. You just have to go to four different corners of the world and find these four different coins and take them back to what's called the Focus Tower, which is kind of, in this game, it's the center of the world. So say when you you start, you're in like the southwest region of the world and you get the first coin and that's when you open the focus tower and you can go to all three uh, or the three other sections of the world. Yeah. So it it's it's got its good qualities. I mean, that's all that really matters is if you have fun playing the game. Like if 
would you recommend this game to someone? Like, what would you compare it to? Um, what would I compare it to? I mean, if I were to compare it to other RPGs that I've played and reviewed on this show, it would probably be my least favorite. Um, it's definitely got the the old school like turn based battle. Uh, I'm trying to think of honestly what to compare it to because I never really played any other Final Fantasy games, so I don't really know what I would compare it to. But if you were a fan of like Zelda, the Link to the Past, and things of that nature, would would you enjoy playing this kind of type of game? Yes, and you know that's I I think so because it it has a I won't say a similar feel, but. It's got a little bit of a Zelda element. Because, you know, Legend of Zelda, the Link to the Past, is not overly complicated. No, and that's what makes that game so good. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the story, to me, the story of Link to the Past wasn't anything overly complex. And you, you have to fight a wizard, and then once you beat the wizard, you have to save seven girls and fight Ganon. Yeah. There's nothing really overly complicated about that. And I wonder if this game kind of suffers from uh its name. Like if it was just called Mystic Quest, would it would it have gotten the bad reviews that it got? I think it still might have, but I think the blow would have been less because people were comparing it to other Final Fantasy games. Now, why they put the Final Fantasy name attached to it, I'm not sure. Maybe they thought that it would generate sales because they thought people might buy it if it's just Final Fantasy. Like, if they see the Final Fantasy name, they're like, oh, I've got to get that. Yeah. Because it's a Final Fantasy game, so it has to be good. So I think if they had maybe just called it Mystic Quest and gave it kind of its own identity, then you know, I think it might have been a little bit better received. I guess we'll never know, but it's an interesting question because there are, you know, there are different things that have been um, looked upon poorly, even though they're a, they would have been better if they had been on their own. Like, case in point, uh, I know this isn't a video game, but you look at Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I honestly believe that if that movie had not had the Halloween name attached to it, if it was just called Season of the Witch, it would be considered a classic today. Mm-hmm. But because it had the Halloween tagline on it or the Halloween title, people were expecting Michael Myers and they didn't get it and they gave it bad reviews. And to this day, you know, there are people like me who love that movie, even though it has nothing to do with Halloween. It's just kind of set in that universe. So I'm, I wonder if, you know, if they would have just called this mystic quest, would it have been better received? Maybe. Unfortunately, that's something we'll never know. Yeah. But I, I would say, you know, definitely give this game a shot and you can find it. Like Jason said, pretty much anywhere in retro stores or at flea markets, and it's not that expensive at all. The yeah, most expensive it, one I've seen is $5. Yeah, it is not a rare game at all. No, so it's it's easy to find. So I, I'd recommend checking it out. You know, I, I enjoy it. So what did you say it was on a scale of 10, like a 6? 
Yeah, I'd give it a six, six and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's pretty average. That's pretty much what I gave uh, Bad Dudes last week. You know, it's not the, it wasn't the greatest uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up I've ever played, but it wasn't the worst, and I, I enjoy playing it, so it's worth picking up. I, I would love to get my hands on this just to kind of try it out and see what, you know, if it was worth the hate <laughs> that people bestowed on it. Yeah. But no, that was uh, that's my review for Mystic Quest. Well, awesome. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and I guess get out of here for this week. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we go? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, do you want to tell everybody about Survey? Uh, yes, actually. Um, it's going to be, uh, we're going to be filming it in June, but we have, how many days do we have left? Let me look that up real quick. Let's see. We have 27 days until the first day of shooting. Okay. I was just seeing how many days we had left on the, the actual GoFundMe. Oh, okay. If I can find it, I should have had. I didn't know we were going to bring that up. So. <laughs> no, it was um, a spur of the moment thing for me. Let's see. Indiegogo campaign. Here we go. It is, uh, we're 74% funded with 17 days left. So if you go to Survey Film, S U R V I Film. Uh, and and that's the actual uh, website for the movie. You can get to the Indiegogo page from there. You can also go to at Survey Film on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Survey Film. And that'll take you to the Indiegogo campaign. And there's a lot of really good tiers on there, even as low as a dollar uh, to help get this movie made. So go on there, uh, help us push it over the top, and uh, we'll make a really cool movie for you. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So cool. Let's go ahead and play the music. And if you would like to go to our own website, uh, you can go to nerdcaveretro.com. You can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us both individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, Tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 